Welcome to another episode of the Three Guys Analyze podcast. I'm your host, Matt. Joining us today, as always, our good friends, Tony and Rick. Tony, how are you doing this, uh, this December day? Fantastic. Ricky, how are we doing over, over on your end? Fantastic. Great. I'm happy that we're all uh, succinct in our opinions of our own uh, standing here. All right, let's get right down to it. We're coming up on the end of the college football season. Don't know what we're going to do after that, but why it's here, let's, uh, let's cherish it. And let's start off with the big game, at least maybe for us in our neck of the woods, this past weekend was Ohio State-Michigan. Ohio State with another dominating victory, claiming their eighth straight win over the Wolverines, 56-27. to 27. Uh, Big game, and uh, big-time players stepped up in this one. Fields, Dobbins, maybe not Chase Young, but Ohio State stood tall and came out on top in the end. Tony, what's your instant takeaway after you watch this game last Saturday? You look at the Ohio State offense, and you have J.K. Dobbins rolling. You have Jay, or Justin Fields rolling. And those wide receivers, um, they're, they're definitely NFL talent for sure. That defense, um, you know, what was interesting was for much, much of that first half, there was a lot of angst because Michigan was able to throw the ball pretty successfully in the first half. But if you notice during the game, they actually were playing a 4-4 defensively, Ohio State was. And so there was a couple um, matchup problems that were worked out, obviously, in the second half. Um, I think it, there was, it was a little disappointing not to see Chase Young get going. Chase, Chase Young, he was a Heisman finalist, and he, he definitely needed some stats to get himself back up in the race. And he just, he just kind of was a no-show. I think he had a couple tackles, but definitely not the performance I was expecting from him. Um, you know, an interesting stat. We've actually scored more against Michigan in the past two seasons than we have on Rutgers, and I thought that was a very interesting stat just to see where this rivalry has come and just how how Jim Harbaugh has not put it together yet. Yeah, it's uh, – you know, they thought Harbaugh was going to be the savior, and so far he's done worse than what Lloyd Carr has. So and uh, and Lloyd Carr kind of went out on a maybe a sourish note there in Michigan. Ricky, what's uh, what's your takeaway from the uh, result of the Ohio State Michigan game? Thank God that Justin Fields is not injured. <laughs> that's, that's my primary takeaway. Um, scary moment there. I think that was what the third quarter that that happened. Um, he got his knee rolled up on. But no, I, I thought that the uh, final score was a little bit. Uh, the the gap was larger than the game actually played. I thought Michigan had some unfortunate circumstances, some unfortunate bounces go against them. I mean, don't get me wrong. Ohio State was the better team, and I think that they are head and shoulders better than Michigan. But I will say Michigan impressed me in that they are better than I gave them credit for earlier in the year, and that I think they're better than I even gave them credit for coming into this game. I mean, the first half, you know, a couple of plays you look at it could have went way differently and, and who knows what the outcome could have been um, that JK Dobbins run where he fumbled the ball and it bounced right back into his arms and he turned it into a 35 or 40 yard gain. Um, and then the, uh, you know, in the second half, I think 
um, when the game was still pretty close uh, and uh, Ohio State was going to punt the ball back to Michigan and, and Michigan jumps off sides. Um, and then the very next play is a touchdown for Ohio State. So essentially that's a turnover avoided by Ohio State and then the turnover um, that Michigan essentially had and, and both of those went for OSU touchdowns. So uh, I thought it was a well-played game. I think this Ohio State team, as we said, week after week after week is just the most complete Ohio State team that there's been uh, in the last five or six years. Um, they can win on both sides of the ball. They're past defense uh, need a little bit of work, but as Tony said, you know, that could have been a little scheming also um, that was done by, by the defense coordinator there. But uh, I, I'm excited to see, uh, see what happens here as we get into the playoff um, or, or I guess the conference championship games and then the playoffs. Yeah. That in the first half, it was a little bit touch and go. Uh, their past defense was a bit unsettled, but I guess once, and they kind of went into this in the second half, the starter, Sean Wade was out. He, he could have played. They, they held him out, and that was a big deal. They had Pete Werner in coverage a lot, and he's not super good at that from what I've watched so far this year. He's more of a in-the-box safety, and he kind of got – they were kind of toying with him a little bit with their tight end. Um, but their run defense is stout as ever, and they can count on that every single week. And I think when they're healthy, their pass defense is – I mean, they got NFL talent back there, first-rounders. And – that's something we were like, hang, on hat, hang our hat on this year as opposed to last year where you just never know what was going to happen. You know, Maryland nearly beat him last year. Um, so am I surprised they came away in the end, like with a, a wider margin? No. Um, but I, like you said, I was impressed with Michigan. Um, Shea Patterson probably had his, I mean, one of his better games of the year, at least early on in that game. He looked good. Second half, we put the clamps on him, and we, we played a little better. But uh, – just on to the next one, on to Wisconsin next week. Now, I have a question to pose to you guys, and this is I heard this brought up on things I've listened to, things I've read. Is this game still a rivalry, right? Usually the other team has to win. Um, Tony, is, is this still a major rivalry? Just because right now uh, Ohio State has dominated the series for so long, I don't think that you could say it's not a quote-unquote rivalry anymore. I think it's still important to both teams in terms of making sure they beat the other team. I think just right now they're just uh, – there's a. I mean, we forget the John Cooper days where John Cooper went 2-10 and 10 against Michigan as – like 2-10-1 and one as Ohio State's coach. So, I mean, in this rivalry, the pendulum can swing, and I, I think we can't – I mean, we, we can't take this success for, for granted for sure. Um, and even though right now it might seem like Penn State or Michigan State or even Wisconsin are more quote-unquote rivals because of how, I guess, often we've played good, uh, good uh, classic games against them, I don't think you can take and say that same thing about Michigan because, um, honestly, if you talk to people around Ohio State, they they believe more that, you know, beating Michigan is more of a way of life and not just, well, it's rivalry week. Yeah, you might be right. Now, I did read an article on ESPN after the game where Justin Field said that uh, he knew players on Michigan, and he was quoted as saying that Ohio State takes the game more seriously than what Michigan does. Ricky, do you think that there's recency bias with this take that maybe this isn't so much of a huge rivalry anymore 
I think that it depends on how you define rivalry, right? So, I mean, I'm a Browns fan. I still think Pittsburgh is our biggest rival. I mean, that's who I get up and watch and and root against and want to see lose when they're playing the Browns and when they're not playing the Browns. And obviously our recent history or not even longer than recent history against the Steelers isn't great. So um, I think rivalry can mean a couple things. I think it's how the teams feel about each other, which there's no love loss between Ohio State, Michigan and, and the, the hatred or the passion or however you want to classify it or name it still exists. So in that sense, it is very much a rivalry. Um, I think that, yes, Ohio State, you know, I think this is, what, 16 of 17 years that they've beaten Michigan and, like, 18 of the last 20 or something. So it's been very one-sided. Um, but with that being said, Michigan's done enough to keep themselves relevant. I mean, they're entering these games, and not every year, but but enough of the years that, like, you know, this year they were number 13, right? They had to beat Ohio State. They'd certainly be a top 10 team. So it, it, it's the, the gap between – OSU and Michigan is, is wide um, from a recruiting standpoint, from a talent standpoint, um, even from a coaching standpoint. Um, but, you know, I think all three of us sat here and, and we get a little nervous when, when the Ohio State Michigan game comes. You know, I mean, I know I did. I, when I saw Michigan score that first touchdown, I was like, oh boy, here we go. Um, so, because it is still one of those games that, um, you know, anything can happen. So, I think it's very much a rivalry. I don't know where it falls in the pantheon of rivalries across all sports anymore, if it's still the the top rivalry. I mean, I think it hit its, you know, apex there in 2006 or seven, but uh, when it was one versus two, but um, I I certainly think it's still a big rivalry game. Now I I can, now you brought this up earlier and I can remember a time, uh, when Ohio State, after they won their first title and they were competing nationally, and when they played teams like Florida and they played teams like LSU, where the talent dis- disparity, you could see it on the field. Like, we were pretty good. You know, those Troy Smith teams were pretty good. But when we played Florida, when we played LSU, they were much better than we were in terms of, you know, their defensive line, their speed, their quickness. Now, Ohio State's at a position now where, where we've recruited those guys, and we're just as fast and we're just as skilled. Michigan, however, doesn't seem to be the same way anymore. There was a time where Michigan – But hold on. If you look at the recruiting rankings, I'm going to play a little devil's out. If you look at the recruiting rankings, yes, Ohio State's up at the top, but take a look the past couple of years. I think there was one year Michigan was like 20th, but besides that one year, they're, they're in the top 10 consecutively – and, and quite a bit. I mean, they're still they're still getting the recruits. So, uh, so what does that say about Harbaugh and his staff then? I think – I mean, I think now Jim Harbaugh has finally gotten out of his archaic ways, and I think that this year you saw kind of their new offense. And I, I, I think that, you know, with a little bit more work, I think this rivalry is going to be more – more relevant in terms of that, you know, top five matchup again here. And I think it's going to come very, very quickly. And I, I think, like I said just a little bit ago, we cannot – every win we get, we can't take for granted. Yeah. I'm just – Well, I, I think the thing is, though, I mean, Tony, you, you bring up – here, so here's the records under Jim Harbaugh, right? 10-3 and three is first year, 10-3 and three is second year, 8-5, and 10-3 and three. And he's currently sitting at nine and three with a bowl win. He'll get back to 10 and three. So 
of the five years he's been there, he has a very realistic chance to have four B double digit win seasons. So I think it, you know, speaks to something I've been saying the entire season is there is a chasm between your tier one college football programs and everyone else. I mean, yes, Michigan may have years that they're in the um, 10 teens, maybe slip to a 20, maybe get back to a six or something in the recruiting class rankings. But unless you are a Clemson and Ohio State and Alabama an LSU, someone that consistently year after year is a top five recruiting class and that's just filing blue chippers and five-star and four-star recruits across every position, you know, from the starters all the way to the last person on the bench. I mean, I think that it's difficult to compete with some of those programs. So, I mean, I don't think Michigan's been bad in any circumstance. I just think they've been above average to good it's just they're not a great program yeah i don't yeah i don't think they're up there anymore at least with like the alabama the lsu well maybe not so much lsu maybe now after this joey burrow thing and the eddie o situation but ohio state's up there they're one of the elites and even with ryan day coming in it it seems like they haven't missed a beat they've gotten better this year at least defensively with some of their hires so i think that gets to our next question right so, Tony, you mentioned it, and you think Harbaugh, you know, the hiring Josh Gaddis, letting him call the plays, that's going to move them into a maybe more um, new way offensive situation where they're not just pounding the ball out of, you know, eye backs and heavy tight end packages. Is, is Harbaugh in the hot seat in Michigan? Ricky, what do you think about that? I would say no um, because he's a Michigan guy. Um, and that program has had it's almost like when you get to a certain point of going through coaches that you are on the borderline of just becoming a laughing stock or a joke of a program or whatever you want to call it so i again i think harbaugh has done enough to keep his job and there will be michigan people that will be upset that they're not better that upset that they haven't won the big 10 that they're upset, upset that they're not in the, the conversation to go to the playoffs. But at the end of the day, those same people need to realize that it has been, what, 22 years since Michigan's last national title? I mean, even Lloyd Carr, if you go look at his run at Michigan, it wasn't like he was producing national title contending teams year after year. I think there was a somehow in, in whatever I, I would say my lifetime, right? 30 years is enough of a sample size that there is a difference between Michigan and Ohio state and Michigan is just not a perennial title contender. They'll have a year like 1997 where they can do it and they can win and they get the talent, but they're just not one of those programs that is going to be consistently great at football. And I think smart people about Michigan know that and, and can appreciate what Jim Harbaugh does. I mean, the, the average fan, maybe not so much. But to answer your question, no, I don't, I don't think he's on the hot seat. All right, I'm gonna, I would do a little average fan here. So John Cooper, I mean, if you just look at the numbers, he was a really good coach at Ohio State. But what do you remember him for? He couldn't beat Michigan. So he wasn't a success, right? But Jim Tressel, he beat Michigan, right? So – if, if the average fan looks at Michigan, they might think then, you know, Harbaugh wasn't successful. Tony, what do you think about that? There's going to be that, that vocal minority that say that. But I, I look at 
you know, yes, Jim Harbaugh might have been there, has been there for five years now, but look at the mess that he inherited all the way back to when Lloyd Carr left after that one versus two showdown. That showdown was in 06. I, and Lloyd Carr stepped down in what, 2008 ish? I mean, after, like, when Rich Rod, like, Lloyd Carr gave Rich Rod a complete mess, and Rich Rod made it even worse. And then Brady Hoke just kind of played status quo. So the mess Jim Harbaugh even inherited going all the way back to Lloyd Carr is, is remarkable. And, you know, to have to go through and I think there needed to be sort of like a program cleansing. And like I said, I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to say like a Michigan supporter. I'm just thinking like, you know, if the Michigan man can't win at Michigan, no one else will. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, he, he's been a successful coach. He's gotten that program back into the top 20 top 10 and we'll see what the future has going forward. This first matchup with Ryan day did not go so well for him. And a lot of people thought maybe coming into this season, he might maybe have the advantage there. So let's get back to Ohio state. So they ended the game in a dominating way. You know, Justin Fields was 14 of 25 with four touchdowns. JK Dobbins had 31 carries for 211 yards and four touchdowns. We mentioned earlier, Chase Young was kind of, held without a sack, but he still leads the FBS in sacks, 16 and a half, I believe, right? Set an Ohio State record. Um, I think we've mentioned before how this is a really talented team. Uh, I'll start with you, Ricky. Did, what, who are you most impressed by from Ohio State on Saturday? I got to say J.K. Dobbins. Um, I, I think his performance – his stability his uh, and ability, um, along with just the stamina. I mean, 31 carries. I think he had, what, 34 or 36 um, the week before that. Um, so, you know, you're talking about a guy who's carried the ball almost 70 times over the last two weeks, and he just is one of those runners that you can use the old cliche that he's getting stronger as the game goes on, but it's true. Um, so he really impressed me and, and that's an obvious choice. I would say, um, you know, maybe a less obvious choice. Chris Olave, um, is, I mean, I, I don't, he, he reminds me not, not comparing him to Michael Thomas, but it was like, if you looked at like our offense in 2014, right. And then you looked at like, and I'm talking like the end of the year offense, 2014, when we were just, you know, Zeke was just gashing defenses and everyone was spread out. And then you looked at in 2015, still a really talented Ohio State team, but, you know, our offense was like, man, this doesn't look the same. Like, the running lanes aren't there. We're not quite, like, getting the push. Like, it seems like everyone's a lot closer and tighter to line of scrimmage. And you look at the difference. One of the main ones, Michael Thomas went to the draft, right? He graduated. He went to the draft. He wasn't on the team anymore. We lost one of our main best receivers that was also stretching the field from a deep guard perspective. So, I thought Chris Olave for what he does to our passing game for the threat that he is to take a ball, you know, 50, 60, 70 yards to the house on uh, some of these long passes, I think is uh, really, really beneficial to a lot of Ohio State's offensive success. Yeah. Dobbins was, I mean, he was a man in that game, two straight weeks where he's gotten to touches. And I felt the last couple of years, he kind of disappeared in that offense with Mike Weber being there and Mike Weber leaving. I, 
you know, was the best thing that uh, could have happened to J.K. because he stepped out, and he may he might might well be the first running back drafted in the draft this coming year. So he's he's made he's made himself some money, that's for sure. Tony, who is your standout performer? And I say that, and I'm reading right now that uh, Justin Fields was named the Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year. So take that for what it is. Tony, who are you impressed by? And Saturday. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I I am definitely impressed with Justin Fields. I think to come back after what, tweaking his knee and then coming back and, you know, scrambling around and then after scrambling around through, you know, a hell of a touchdown pass, um, I, I think he definitely played well. I think J.K. Dobbins is definitely, in my opinion, the better of the two Heisman candidates. Unfortunately, the Heisman Trophy is more – about quarterbacks, so J.K. Dobbins wasn't getting as much respect. And to be honest, um, in the Big Ten, they they get more respect to John, uh, Jonathan Taylor, Wisconsin, than they do J.K. Dobbins. And you know, it's amazing to think that just just the amount of sheer talent Ohio State has is just definitely um, definitely amazing. And 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 to have it with a first year coach Ryan Day bringing in new defensive coordinators and Greg Madison from Michigan and um, new hot name on the coaching carousel, um, Jeff Halfley. I think all, all that is just, to me, definitely a surprise. And I think Ryan Day um, definitely deserved getting Big Ten Coach of the Year just because, you know, people thought with Urban leaving that this was going to be a step-down season and this was not going to be as good. And I am definitely impressed with the job he started. Heck, Ryan Day's already getting, um, you know, rumored NFL interviews. So that just tells you how well he's already, you know, skyrocketed his his stock in just one, in one season. Yeah. Uh, look, Justin Fields is going to go to the Heisman Trophy ceremony. And the only play that they're going to show the entire time was him getting injured, going to the tent, coming back, scrambling and throwing a touchdown. And that is the play that I think we will remember him by his entire career. Now maybe he goes on next year and does something for us too. But that, that is the play. That's what we'll remember. When I watched it, well, we, you know, Ricky, you said this earlier about him not being hurt. Like that's the one guy we can't lose. Right? We don't have a replacement for him. I, you know, I'm sure Chris Chuganoff is a great guy, great guy in the huddle. Players probably like him, but he's not doing hey, it. Hey, former, former West Virginia Mountaineer. Hey, yeah, there you go. Uh, Good Chug to you. Chug isn't doing it. So when J.K. comes back on the field, you know, it's like seeing uh, the Messiah walk into the stadium at that point. And he comes in, little knee brace on, and just balls out. Throws that deep touchdown pass to uh, Garrett Wilson, and we're off. We're back to where we were. And we feel even more confident about the kid, right? He showed in that moment he's not soft. He's a gamer. He wants to be in there. He wants to win. And he's look, he's been at Ohio State for, I don't know, three months on campus, and he wants it. And I'll write for that guy anytime, right? I'll, I'll be his biggest fan from here until next year when he declares for the draft after uh, the 2020 season. I mean, that's really impressive. The only thing I'm thinking about now is, how many players from Ohio State are going to be invited to the ceremony? You know, I, I think Fields is going to be there for sure. Is Chase Young going to be there? I mean, I think everyone still thinks, believes he's going to be the number one player drafted. He's the best maybe player in college. 
Does J.K. Dobbins get some love? I know you got Jonathan Taylor. You got Chubba from Oklahoma State. Uh, Tony, how many players do you think Ohio State's going to have go to the uh, ceremony? I would love to see um, at the Heisman Trophy ceremony, I would love to see Joe Burrow and the three Buckeyes. I think looking at that, I guess if you really wanted to, you could throw in a fifth with Jalen Hurts. But I think that would be great seeing Joe Burrow, a former Buckeye nonetheless, with three other Buckeyes up there. I think that's a testament actually to how well Ohio State has been on the recruiting trail. Yeah, very successful. That'd be something. Former Buckeye and more Buckeyes. Ricky, how many Buckeyes do you think will be there? And if, if not, who do you think is going to be at that ceremony? Uh, I think there'll be two Buckeyes um, invited because I, I just don't see them doing three. Um, I just don't see it happening. I think it'll definitely be Justin Fields. And then, honestly, I think I would choose Chris Young um, over um, J.K. Dobbins. And I, I think that that's – or Chase Young, sorry. I think that's a um, testament. To, I, I thought he actually played better Saturday than what Tony gave him credit for. I think he affected the game, especially in the second half. I mean, I know he didn't get the stats, but looking at quarterback hurries, and, and he was in the backfield quite a bit, um, giving Shea Patterson all sorts of, of hell back there. Stats. Need numbers. Well, so here, here's my conspiracy theory on, on this, is it's going to be a little bit of a, um, uh, like, you know, I think the NCAA was embarrassed by the suspension and the investigation, and I think this is going to be a little bit of a makeup to, uh, to that uh, whole ordeal in the middle of the season that they got crushed on. So that's, that's my conspiracy theory, is that he'll get invited because I think the, uh, the NCAA is going to try to make up for their – idiotic suspension of him earlier this year i i think the other thing that helps chase young is i think unquestionably everyone knows he's really good like he's not a guy from like a low-level mid-tier school that's had a really great season right everyone knows him they know what he looks like he's got the big dreads he looks like predator and he's really good and i think that helps his cachet a little bit it's like, well, he had kind of a down game against Michigan. But, you know, you can, you can game plan and take a, a defensive player out of the game, right? If it's a cornerback, you can just not throw to him, right? If it's a defensive end, you can double him. You can put a tight end on him and just run the other way. And I think people hopefully are aware of that. It's not like a quarterback who's going to touch the ball in every play. It's not like a running back who's going to – you can give carries to, right? This is the guy that you can literally take out of a ball game if you want to. I think people just know he's really good. I think he'll be there. Fields will definitely be there. And what, some years they have three guys there. Some years they have four. Some years they have five. How many people did they have there last year, Tony? Do you remember? Uh, I think they had five. No, typically, I think the lowest I've seen is three, and the most I've seen is six. Okay. It has to do with the votes, right? Because, you know, they vote beforehand. Correct. And they pick, like, the top whatever, depending on the percentages. So, yes. I, I think this year, I think we're all pretty in much in agreement that Burrow's going to win it. I guess it just depends who comes in second. I mean, that's still a really big honor just to be up there in that consideration. Um, all right. I think we've kind of kind of wrapped it up. But let's just end on this. Uh, Tony, it's, we've gotten to the regular season. Uh, what, what is your outlook for the Ryan Day era in Ohio State going forward? I think right now the Ryan Day era looks very bright. I think right now – you know, he's going to be in that upper echelon of, I guess, great Buckeye coaches with Woody Hayes and Urban Meyer 
and Paul Brown, and I guess you could even, you know, Ryan Day, and then you'd have Earl Bruce in there even. Um, but I think he's definitely going to go down as a legend, and it, and it starts now. The only thing that I could see, I guess, taking this, taking all of it away is just, you know, if the NFL calls and wants to make that step. So, wow. Ricky, that, that is crazy. Build the statue now. Yes, yes. And, uh, yeah, that's, that is like, we talk about prisoner of the moment. Jesus. What's hey. oh, the, the nicest guy, Ryan, the best Ryan, coach of Ohio Day State history? Inspired me. Ryan well, Day has inspired so, me. So, this is, this is what my, my take on Ryan Day. And, and, and I, I'm just going to, you know, dampen the, the expectations here for him is, is Brady Hoke, okay? And his first year at Michigan went 11 and 2, and they won the Sugar Bowl. Okay, so just just recall, remember that. So, I I am a Ryan Day fan. I am happy with how the team has played. Obviously, they've looked great, um, but we all know that this game is about recruiting. And you can be the best game planner. You can be the best coach. Look at PJ Fleck. He is an awesome coach, awesome motivator, awesome mentor. And Minnesota played really hard for him. You know what Minnesota doesn't have? They don't have talent. And we saw that in the last three you know games of the year. They, they do not have the talent to compete. And we'll see. I, I hope Ryan, right? Urban Meyer was a great recruiter. And Ryan Day is uh, getting to, uh, to, you know, reap the rewards of Urban's recruiting that he had done. So um, this is a really talented team. I think it's, it's never easy, but it, it's easier to go undefeated with a team that has NFL superstars all over it. Um, we'll see how years two, three, four, five, and six look if he can keep up the same standard of uh, recruiting and success. Yeah. He, I know he's kept a lot of the machine in place in terms of the recruiting people that Urban had on the staff. You know, he's kept a lot of the coaches together that Urban had. He's replaced Greg Chiano. That's called addition by subtraction. Um, and brought in uh, Halfley. And, uh, you know, he's he's got a good group together. And, you know, it's – you know, it's like every year Alabama has a new staff. You know, you'd like to see oh, C. Day keep this keep this thing rolling, keep consistency, um, keep uh, the, the 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 new quarterbacks coach they have in there working with Fields, and just keep the machine machine going. I love Day is a very excitable coach, maybe more so than Urban. Urban is very serious and 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 uh, a guy that you would normally see there. Day seems he's younger. Maybe he's a players coach. I, I mean, I don't know. Uh, how that works in college anymore with all the coaches they have on staff. But uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I really didn't know what to, to know, you know, a coach in waiting. What's that mean? He hasn't been with the program long. He was with Chip Kelly. You know, we, we know how Chip Kelly kind of was in the NFL and then flamed out a little bit. And now is doing whatever he's doing at UCLA. So um, we'll see how that goes. All right. So moving off of Ohio state, we spent a lot of time over there. Um, the rankings that came out this past week, the only real movement is that Utah has moved up to five, Oklahoma moved up to six, and then Baylor moved up to seven. And I think the only real talking point here, guys, is if who, well, who is going to be in that number four slot? Um, Tony, let's very succinctly, who do you think in the end if Ohio State wins, Clemson wins, LSU wins out in their title games? Who is going to move into that four spot? Utah. Okay, very succinct. Wow, a big upgrade over last week. Man, I, I gave you a long pause there because I didn't know if you were going to continue talking or not. Uh, Ricky, 
Who do you think moves into that uh, that four spot? Uh, I, I'd say Utah as well. I agree with Tony. Yeah. I, I'm i trying to think here if Ohio State holds the number one spot, who would I rather play, Utah or Oklahoma? And I would say probably Utah. We know they're in the weaker division. And, uh, look, I'll – Jalen Hurts has experience in the big game, and I would rather play someone that does not. There's not a single person on Utah's team that has played in a real serious game. So I, I would rather play them much more well, than they, they just played the Pac-12 title game last year. Oh, oh yeah? yeah? Yeah. I mean, that's still a big – I mean, a, cha- a conference title game is still a big game. Sure. Yeah. What are they doing? Listen, in the- I, I, think, I think that I would rather play – either of them. I mean, I think they're both bad in comparison to the top three teams. I think this is a perfect season for anyone that wants to fight back against the argument of they need to expand the playoffs to eight teams. It's like, why do we need to explain the playoffs? I mean, we, we know who the top three teams are. We can't even find a solid fourth team to go against them. So I, I, I agree with you. Utah seems a little bit less scary than Oklahoma, but let's remember Oklahoma got beat by Kansas State went to overtime with Iowa State, almost got beat by TCU, and they were down by 21 points to Baylor. So, I mean, this Oklahoma team isn't necessarily, uh, you know, lighting the world on fire either. Utah Utah lost to a – I mean, USC team. Oh. Um, You nearly – who were trying to fire their coach at one point during the season. Hey, they're retaining Clay Helton. What a great great thing. But um, not to get sidetracked, you know – they so they lost to USC, but you know, other than playing Washington, which is typically a tough squad, they didn't really have that that close game as compared to Oklahoma, as as Ricky mentioned. I think their defense is 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 very good, um, to be honest. But I I think right now I think Utah would have uh, a better opportunity to beat us than Oklahoma or Baylor at this point. All right, so moving on from these college football rankings this past week, we have championship weekend. So every conference has their championship game. The Big 12 has one now, right? Uh, They briefly said they were never going to have one. What, Tony, they had one last year, right? Yes. Right. Okay, the year before that is when it all got weird. So we have our first championship game. We're going to look at the Big Five conferences. Well, Tony, quickly, you're the only one that cares about the Cincinnati-Memphis game. Who do you got in that one real quick? Oh, I got Memphis. Okay, great. That's awesome. A lot of good take there. Uh, all right, so the Pac-12 title game, we have Utah, ranked number five, playing Oregon, ranked number 13. Utah is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Tony, what do you got for the Pac-12? I got Utah and covering the six-and-a-half point spread. Keep an eye on, name for you, Zach Moss, Utah's running back. Okay, Zach, is he – See a related to Randy Moss, Tony? I uh, that I couldn't tell you. Hmm. Okay. Speaking of Randy Moss, is what is it? His son that plays for LSU? Is that right? Uh, nephew. Nephew. Okay. I do believe. All right, Ricky. Utah versus Oregon. Who do you got? Uh, I've got Oregon in this game. I think the experience that Justin Herbert brings. Um, and then this receiver they got, Johnny Johnson the third. I expect him to have a huge game. I'm thinking uh, multiple touchdowns, over 100 yards receiving. And uh, I got the Ducks, 27 to 21. Wow. Mm. I 
I also am going to take Justin Herbert in the Oregon Ducks based on a couple things, mainly all non-football reasons. Uh, Ricky, you just said Johnny Johnson. Never heard of him before right now, you saying that. Um, tremendous name for a receiver. Um, the third. The third. Yeah. Johnny <laughs> Johnson the third. That means he's three times as good as the first. That's what that means. Um, <laughs> yeah. And they have a tremendous mascot, uh, the Duck. I would say in the top ten of college mascots. Tony, what is Utah's mascot? Can you remind us again? Uh, the Utes. What, so, what is that? Is that, that an animal or an Indian? Like a Native American. Yeah. Do they do they have Listen, like a how, how do you person? how do you expect a, a dry state that has no alcohol to come up with creative fun mascots? Okay, that's just it's yeah. not gonna happen. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, yeah, I'm not gonna get into. I was gonna make a BYU joke there, but that's probably off color. All right, let's move on to the uh, the Big Twelve title game here we have number seven ranked Baylor and uh the sixth ranked Oklahoma team uh Oklahoma is a nine point favorite remember that Oklahoma came back from being down big points to Baylor and ended up winning that game they played during the regular season uh Ricky we will start with you who do you like in the big 12 title game so um I actually did watch the uh, entire Oklahoma Oklahoma State game um and I was actually fairly yeah, it was bedlam. Yeah, it was, I was fairly impressed um, with what I saw from Oklahoma. I still don't think they're they're great, but they were a good team. Uh, I think they'll beat Baylor. I think they they crushed Baylor's spirit um, and, and stole their soul um, last time they played. Um, and uh, they're gonna they're gonna roll. I, I've got Oklahoma by two touchdowns. Yeah. yeah, that was a tough one for Matt Rule. Um, Tony, what what do you what do you got here for Baylor Oklahoma? I like Oklahoma to cover the eight-and-a-half-point spread, somewhere around thir- Oklahoma 38-27. Okay, yeah. I think Oklahoma dominates in this one, um, mainly based because Lincoln Riley's going to get off the bus. He's going to see the weird vest-type Spock, I, I don't know, whatever Matt Rule wears on the sideline. He's going to look at it. The team's going to look at it and laugh, and Baylor's going to be very embarrassed that their head coach looks like he's about to serve uh, lunch in a cafeteria setting. Um, Oklahoma wins easily in this game. And uh, they might play in the college football playoff. We never know. Uh, SEC title game. We got LSU, number two, versus Georgia, number four. LSU only a seven-point favorite in this game. So pretty close, only a touchdown. Uh, Tony, we'll start with you. Who do you like in the SEC title game? Okay, so this is a game of, you know, the unstoppable offense versus that impenetrable defense. LSU's coming in scoring almost 49 points a game. Georgia giving up 10 a game. But I think LSU covers the seven-point spread here, 28-17. Oh, a close one for the offensively challenged Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, Ricky, what do you got in this one? So I, I, am, I think LSU will win. I'm going to root hard for Georgia for two reasons. One, not to toot my own horn, but – about six weeks ago on this podcast, I had predicted two SEC schools would make it and that Georgia would win the SEC title and make it, and then the, the runner-up would also make the playoffs, which is a very realistic possibility if that happens. Uh, second reason I'm rooting for Georgia is I love to see chaos um, anytime that the college football playoffs are involved, and uh, I want to really see what, what – I, I think it, we know it would happen. Um, LSU would make it as a four seed, which actually – 
now that I'm saying this, maybe that would be the worst case scenario for Iowa State. So I'm flipping my rooting and then going back to rooting for LSU because I don't think the Buckeyes want to have to see LSU in the first game. Yeah, uh, I am going to take LSU. I think they're going to win handedly. I don't think – I still not super high on Georgia. Maybe it's just their offense is not super great. Um, number two, why I want to see LSU win, so we can get the post game with Ed Ogeron. Uh, he may have the best speaking voice in all of sports. That deep uh, Bayou Cajun accent that he has is truly magical. You don't really know what Does he's he saying. Does he always look like – he's like two seconds away from a heart attack every time I see him speak. Yeah. Like he's very like – veins are popping. He's like very red. He's he a very just like looks man. like – like he looks, he looks like he's just about to just like start foaming at the mouth and keel over every time he's on television. Yeah, he I reminds me. Respect, he, much respect for Coach O. Yeah, he kind of reminds me of what the generic mold for like a midget football coach looks like. Big fat guy, probably wasn't a successful athlete, so he's coaching like eight year olds. Um, but lo- I love the man. I no. mean. No, you're 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 that he's in too good a shape for that. That's Freddie Kitchens. Freddie oh. Kitchens is the mold for a uh, a midget football coach. Yeah, where they have their coaching meetings at the local uh, Buffalo Wild Wings. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So obviously, I I think LSU, Joey Burrow is pretty good, and uh, I thought it was really cool last week during Senior Night at LSU, how his jersey, his nameplate on the back said Burrow with an O U X. I thought that was really cool. Uh, it's it's fun to it's fun to do cool things like that, and I think we should do that more. Um, next, we have the the ACC title game. I mean, why even play it? Is there a purpose to this game? I don't know. But uh, the number twenty three ranked Virginia Cavaliers are playing the number three ranked Clemson Fighting Dabo's in this one. And Clemson, this should be a close one. Is only favored by twenty eight and a half points. Man. What a very competitive title game this is going to turn out to be. Uh, Ricky, we'll start with you. You think uh, – you're rooting for the Cavaliers here, aren't you? Uh, I am. Um, That would be great. Uh, And I think it can happen because, uh, you know, as we've seen, um, Clemson struggles when playing in the state of North Carolina. And this game's being played in Charlotte. So – Little little bit of the inside there. If you're betting on this game, take the Cavaliers with the points because we all know from earlier in the year Clemson cannot play in their big brother state up north. Mm. That's a that's, I, I like where your head's at here. Looking at that, Tony, Clemson or Virginia? Yeah, I think Clemson wins this game. You know, Virginia does have a, a halfway decent defense here, and I don't think they're going to let. Um, Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne and some of those good – Justin Ross are good receiver. I don't think they're going to do whatever the heck they want as they've done in the you know previous couple weeks against some of that great ACC competition they play. I mean, it's still going to be a blowout, but Virginia will still cover the 28.5-point spread. Yeah. You know, the fact that the ACC is where it is – I mean, I think Clemson has like the 85th-ranked – strength of schedule that's ridiculous i mean this is a league that has like florida state in it and virginia tech like when i was young like those teams are like good you know it's just the, with the conference usa and the american athletic conference or 
is, is better than the eight. This is just ridiculous. How a 28 point favorite in a title game. Are you kidding me? Uh, yeah. So probably Clemson here. I don't like the fact that Virginia has the same mascot as the Cleveland Cavaliers. So I, I like to root against them. Mm. Um, <laughs> and Clemson d- does play in, in Death Valley, which is pretty cool. I don't know why they call it that because that's actually a desert in Arizona, correct? Is that in Arizona, Ricky? You're a big geologist. Is that a – Death Valley, yeah, that's in Arizona. Okay. I thought it was in California, but okay. Is it? No. It's in, no, it's in Arizona. Okay. I I must have failed that class. Listen, the, 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 the listeners will fact check us and they can oh. hit us up on Facebook. And okay. So that's pretty cool. I also like how Clemson is – now, Tony, correct me if I'm wrong, but they actually wear their uniforms to the game but and then they run down that hill with, like, the helmets and everything on. Is that right? I, I remember one time, like, when they were doing a game on ABC, I think they even take, like, a lap around the stadium in a bus. Yeah, they're in the bus, fully padded and helmeted. And yes. they get off the Dude, bus. It, it is the goal. most intense pregame. They, they get in at their whatever the locker room in the stadium, which is down the hill. They get a police escort. And during a night game, what game you're talking about, Tony, was Jameis Winston coming out party with Florida State. Yes. They're playing Florida State. Uh-huh. And it's a Taj Boyd. And they get a full police escort. The lights look great underneath the black sky. It's awesome. They release uh-huh. all the balloons as they run down. They touch Howard Rock the very bottom it was the best 10 minutes of an interlude into a football game i've ever seen and then clemson went on to get smashed by florida state that game but you mean you, cool you mean to tell me jameson throw four to five interceptions and fumble the ball three times in that game i think this, this was back before he fondled that uber driver and uh god took away all of his natural athletic gifts you know he i believe he leads the nfl this season in both picks and fumbles Jameis winston does <laughs> and probably touchdowns to the other team. And I, and I, yes. Because it I, seems like every one of his picks actually go to pick sixes, too. He had two of them against the 49ers in the first week of the season. Hey, you guys are giving a big extension this offseason. Oh, know. I'm sure. I, I can't wait for four more years of Jameis Winston. All right. Uh, so, last game we'll talk about is the Big Ten title game. The Big Ten, who actually have 12 teams in it, but we're still going to call it the Big Ten. Fourteen. Is it fourteen? Wow, I'm 14. behind the times. Or was Nebraska in the great team of Rutgers? Were those? It must, be, it must be getting late because <laughs> the fact checking right now. Yeah, I mean, do we count Rutgers as in a legit? They're the worst Power Five conference team in the country. Kansas right. gives them, Kansas was better than them this year, so yeah, I would definitely agree. Were, uh, yeah, they're not good. I mean, they're getting high, higher than Greg Schiano. Ohio State and, and the Patriots couldn't get rid of him fast enough. Well, okay, so the number one ranked Ohio State will play Wisconsin again um, in the big – Am I supposed to assume that Ohio State's the away team in this matchup? What? Should they not the, the way, be the home team? The way ESPN has listed it, Ohio State versus Wisconsin, so I assume they're the home team, right? Yeah. Okay, so they're going to wear their, their reds? Uh, yeah, I do believe they're a higher-ranked team. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter, but. Isn't the second team that's listed always the home team? Not the first team. Well, like, if it's Ohio State versus Wisconsin, that's 
that's a good question because the mean, home team. I don't know. I've seen I've seen it on the athletic as Ohio State versus Wisconsin as well. Yeah, well, I'm going they, through here. It's, it's Baylor versus Oklahoma, which makes sense. It's Georgia versus LSU, which makes yeah. sense. And then it's Ohio State versus – that's it. Ohio State's being disrespected. We're going to wow. beat them by 59 points. Wow, they are the underdog. You know, Babo Sweeney thought no one wanted Clemson in the college football playoff, and they've only been ranked three the entire season. So they're, they're really <laughs> up against it too. Um, so we got Ohio State – Rematch of a game they played earlier in the season looked really convincing. That was kind of their coming out party to show they were the real deal. They are a 16-and-a-half-point favorite over the Wisconsin Badgers. Um, obviously, we can't say it's going to be the same thing again. You know, they've got tape. They're out Wisconsin's obviously, hopefully, going to change their game plan a little bit. I'm sure Ohio State has a couple things in the cupboard they want to pull out for this. Um, Tony. Do you think it's just going to be the same old thing, a run back of how they played earlier in the season, or do you think this game's going to go a little bit differently? As good as what Wisconsin's been all year, Ohio State, they have too much firepower on offense and defense, too many blue chippers. Ohio State rolls here. We'll say 49-17. Okay. That's a, that's a big number. Oh, Ricky, you don't feel the same about that. I like the confidence. I'm just not sure with uh, Wisconsin's, you know, what's ground. They, they play football like they play basketball. I mean, it's just boring to watch, and they just pound you, and it's like, you know, they line up in a jumbo package every time and hand the ball off to that uh, overhyped. Literally, I think Jonathan Taylor will go down, in my book, as the most overrated Big Ten superstar I can ever remember. Um Never shows up in big games. Never, ever shows up in big games. Um, but I, I – so, no, I think that they'll cover the spread. I'm just not sure they can get to 49 points. But I'll take Ohio State. You know what? We're going to say they're going to do slightly better than they did last time. We're going to say 41-7 to instead of 38-7. to Okay. So, this game is in uh, Indianapolis at Lucas <laughs> Oil Stadium on the turf, indoors. I would say do we all think that this – situation would favor Ohio State, the surface we're playing on. Um, maybe if they were p- playing in the snow in Minnesota, that would be really cool if that was where they had their Big Ten title game at. Um, but it's not played indoors. I think that favors Ohio State's speed. Um, and look, Ohio State dominated the last time. At no point did we think that Wisconsin was really doing much. Their quarterback wasn't doing a lot. Jonathan Taylor wasn't doing a lot. And uh, Ohio State's gotten better as the season went on. Hopefully Sean Wade plays this year or this week. Not that I think Wisconsin has the skill players to really take advantage of them being down Sean Wade, um, as maybe Michigan did. Um, uh, that Cone guy hasn't really lit it up at all. Um, so I, I think Ohio State's going to cover. They want this game. They want to get into that playoff. And they got a lot of, a lot of a lot riding on this. Now, the only thing, I, I, only thing we can really add to this is um, if Ohio State, say they were to lose this game, Tony, do you think they're still in the playoff? Yeah, I think at this point, LSU, Ohio State are both locks, and I would say Clemson is probably a near lock at this point. Ricky, do you feel the same way? Uh, About Ohio State and LSU, I agree. I don't think Clemson is a lock. I think if Clemson gets beat, they're out. Yeah, I – from what I've read, that's kind of – I think that's kind of what the the committee has intuited. I mean – 
like Alabama, Clemson really hasn't – if they lose to Virginia, I mean, who have they really beat? You know? Right. Like, where, like where's their schedule at? Like, why do they deserve to be ranked that high? Um, I, I know I've said this from the very beginning. It's like if we, if we base these rankings, which they should be off of a completely blank slate, you know, Clemson, I mean, I think I sent this to Tony the other day that uh, Akron has the same amount of wins over, like, top 10 teams as, like, Alabama has or, like, top 25 teams. Um, obviously, Akron is 0-12, and Alabama has not beat a ranked team this year. So, um, it's a similar situation with Clemson. Like, they haven't really played anyone. But I think Ohio State's still in, and LSU would be. It would just, I guess, who moves up, who moves down, who's the other team that gets in. So, I think we have a lot of watch this, this week. Tony, are all these games on Saturday? Uh, the Pac-12 game is on Friday night. All the rest of them are on Saturday. Okay. What uh, you know? What the schedule is then for Saturday? I know you're really high on uh, scheduling conflicts and whatnot. <laughs> um, okay, so the Big Twelve game is on at noon. Uh, SEC is on at four. Big Ten is on at seven. ACC is seven thirty. Hmm. Well, that's pretty good. Well, you can go from one to the next. Well, guys, I think this has been a pretty nice podcast so far. We've covered a lot of things, spent a lot of time on Ohio State, Michigan, and we gave you a nice outlook of what's happening this week with the college championship. Obviously, the week after that, we won't have much to talk about. Maybe we can talk, we can spend 45 minutes talking about Army Navy. Tony, I'm sure you'd really like that, talking about the, uh, the service school. So, uh, hey, guys, thank you for listening to our podcast. I believe this is our 13th episode, lucky number 13. Hopefully, we can make it a 14th next week uh tony anything on the go here uh two solid games we didn't talk about earlier i got app state minus six and a half over louisiana and then i have lane kiffin's florida atlantic minus seven and a half over uab okay all right i'm sure people are locked into that one as well those those games big money uh ricky anything uh for our fans here on the go Yes. Um, I'm going to steal something from the Levitard show. So is someone that refers to Appalachian State as App State a jackass or an irredeemable jackass? Hmm. That's a great question. Uh, maybe, That's all I is there something that falls in the middle of that? I don't know, Tony. You're the one. That's what, do you, what do you think about it? Which one do you feel you are? Hurt, very hurtful statements there to end this. Huh. <laughs> We can agree to disagree, I guess, on that front. Another podcast, perhaps. Uh, For me, uh, I did go and watch Frozen 2. A little depressing. Um, Not a huge fan of the music, but there was like an homage to like an 80s power ballad. That was pretty interesting. Uh, So, hey, check it out. Take the the kids you don't have or you do have. Um, I did not take any kids. They wouldn't let me take my cat into the theater. Apparently, they don't like animals in there. Uh, So, Guys, enjoy Man, that, your that's weekend. a crushing review. Like, I think all yeah. Frozen has going for is that it's uplifting and the music's good. So if it's depressing and has bad music, that's like the worst Disney movie I've ever heard of. Yeah, you know, they, they say, you know, that the middle movie, like Empire Strikes Back, is a little bit more depressing and, and grounded. You know, spoiler alert, Luke loses an arm in that and he figures out Vader's his father. There's nothing like that that happens in Frozen 2, obviously. But uh, it was very melancholy, I thought. Um, not a huge fan of Elsa. Um, don't really have a lot of nice things to say about her personally. 
I like Anna more. She seems a little bit more cool. I do like the snowman, Olaf. I mean, who doesn't like snowmen? Isn't it, isn't it Anna? Is it Anna or Anna? It's it Anna. Anna. Thank you. Shout out from the outside, Anna. I'm sorry. Um, but, uh, hey, Frozen 3, I'm sure will come in two, three years, and it'll still make a billion dollars at the box office. So, hey, thanks, guys, for listening. Hope you guys have a nice uh, weekend coming up, a lot of football in store. And, uh, hey, see you next week.